I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we come for worship this day. Just a few announcements before we begin. A reminder that our annual meeting will be held after church on March 19th. And the deadline for getting reports to me is February 10th. And in case you weren't sure, that's Friday. So committee chairs and others who need to get me reports, I need them in my hands by Friday morning. Church Council will meet again on February 21st, a couple weeks. Uh, Bible study is continuing at the Mance at Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Um, if you're unable to make it, it's okay. There are copies of kind of the homework or the guides uh, at the back of the church, and you can talk to Bev about that, but you can pick up your guide um, as you go. It is easy to do this on your own. You come together for discussions. Sunday evening prayer meetings uh, resume tonight at 7 p.m., and everyone is invited to come and pray together as we pray for the needs of our church, but even more importantly, the needs of our community. The UCW will be meeting in uh, two weeks' time after church, the church women, and February 19th after church, and I'm sure they'd be happy to see anyone who would like to join them. Also, just a reminder that the reading lists uh, for scripture readings are posted uh, at the back table there and, and hanging on the bulletin board out there, so please check to see when you may be reading. I think that's all the announcements that I have today. Any other announcements to share? All right. I hope everybody stayed warm yesterday. <laughs> oh, Grace is a quick announcement. Wonderful news. Thank you for sharing, Grace. Any other announcements to share? Let's just take a moment then to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God this day. We light our Christ candle to recognize Jesus Christ as light of the world and light in our lives as we seek to follow him each and every day. Our opening psalm this morning is Psalm 37. Do 
not fret because of the wicked or envy those who do evil. Trust in God and do good. Find your delight in God. God will make your vindications shine like the light. The justice of your cause like the Be still before God and wait patiently. Do not regret the evil schemes. Let go of anger and abandon wrath. Those who do evil shall be cut off. But those who look to God shall inherit the earth. In a little while the wicked will be no more. You will look where they were, and their place will be empty. But the meek shall inherit the earth. They shall enjoy fullness of peace. Salvation for the righteous comes from God, their refuge in time of trouble. pray. As you promised to be with us, Lord Jesus, help us, Lord, to worship you, to listen to your word, and to pray in faith that we might grow in our love for you and for one another. Amen. We're opening him today's How Firm a Foundation.
Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, while all the time there was a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks funds and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you is his son asked for bread and will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for fish, will give him a snake. If you then, if you then thought you were evil, know now, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will be your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask them? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up to the law of the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as our teachers of the law. The word of the Lord.
Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, we humbly gather in your presence, seeking your word among us, seeking to surrender all that we have to you so that we may enjoy your presence, your love, and your peace in our lives. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. There's a lot packed into our scripture reading today. In this passage, we're towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, those famous words that Jesus gave in Gospel Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It was a long reading. I'm not going to dig into a lot of the detail of the text because there's so much in there. Yeah, I probably could have cut the reading a little bit shorter maybe, but it's always good to hear more of God's word among us as we gather in worship or in our lives, even if we're not going to look at it in minute detail. Instead, what I'm going to do is take that reading and break it into themes. A number of themes emerge in that reading, and I'm going to look at them in an effort to more broadly understand what Jesus is trying to tell us in this message. And in turn, because... He's telling it to people at a specific time and place. Those words can still apply to us today as we still hear the words he speaks today. It still has meaning for us. When Jesus teaches, he's teaching the ways of God. And these ways are often in opposition to the way in which the world works or the world wants us to live. A lot of what Jesus did, that if he was doing them today, would still get him in trouble with authorities. 
because he spoke against the authorities in his day. And whatever he, if he brought those words forward to today, I believe he would still be speaking against the authorities and the leadership of our world today. Because the issues he's talking about are still relevant, they're still prevalent in our world right now. The first theme we're going to look at is judgment. Jesus begins our reading today talking about judgment. He says, do not judge. So why not? I will confess, I judge people. Now, it doesn't mean I'll walk up to someone and say, your life is a mess, you better fix it up. No, I do it more quietly in my heart. I judge the way they are living. I judge their lives. I judge their actions. I'm not proud of it, but I confess that I do it. The thing is, though, they could easily be doing the same thing for me. I do stuff people think I shouldn't do. I act in ways maybe I shouldn't act. I say things maybe I shouldn't say. We all do, I think. I'm not alone in this, am I? Okay, good. Jesus says, don't judge others because you will also be judged. We're not perfect. We all, whether willingly or accidentally, we will all make bad decisions. The thing is, though, if we address the issues in our lives, if we work to become better people, then we can help others. Not by judging them, by helping them along with their own struggles when they are looking for help. Which means we don't walk up to someone and say, wow, you have a terrible temper, you suck at it, let me help you fix it. No, what it means is someone will come to, might come to us and say, I noticed that you don't have a temper anymore. I wish I could do that. And then our response might be, thank you. Let's talk sometime about how God helped me through dealing with my temper or whatever it is. And maybe God will help you too. That's more of the Christian response. We don't come off as judgmental, but we try to be pastoral, we try to be helpful, we try to be kind, we try to be loving. All these ways in which Jesus asks us to be as his followers. So often these days when Christians are in the news, it's because they're shouting judgment at someone or some group. It could be abortions, same-sex marriage, it could be the LGBTQ plus community, it could be many, many things. And when I watch them rant on about these things, I say this is not helpful for the church, and it's especially not helpful for society. If the church is making the news for all the wrong reasons, because it's standing up there speaking against a group of people or something, how can it be seen as loving if all we're hearing is negativity? Now, it doesn't mean we necessarily have to agree with, what everything, with everything everyone does in their lives. We can be in disagreement with someone and we can still love them, right? We can do that. But the judgment we see coming out of the church in some circles, especially the evangelical Christian leaders on the right-hand side of the church in the United States right now, is disturbing. These are people with big platforms and social media, videos and books and political influence. And quite frankly, to see them do what they're doing is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because... What is it doing for the church? What is it doing for society? 
What it's doing is it's splitting them apart along lines of hatred instead of bringing people together in love. Their judgment is pushing a wedge, it's pushing people farther apart, it's splitting them apart. And they are claiming to do it in the name of Jesus. I don't always recognize their Jesus to be the same Jesus I follow. There's no room for hatred in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, yes, Jesus had strong words to say at times to the authorities and the leaders of his day. But when you look at his ministry to the people in the streets, he had nothing but love for them. Now, there are times when I'll post something on social media, maybe, that my disappointment with governments and leaders. I've also I've, I've talked to politicians about the policies of their parties or the policies of their governments that I see as hurting people. I'm not afraid to point this out because you know, I'm not afraid to point out their failings as a person or as a party. No, not as a person, but as a government or a party. Let me get that straight. Governments and political parties tend to take on kind of personas of their own, their own characteristics, their own personalities. And that tends to be what I have a problem with. It's not that I don't usually have a problem with the individual member of the government. You look at our area councillors, our MLAs, our MPs, they've all done wonderful jobs of, of trying to represent the people that, who elected them to be in the government. And it, they're doing hard work that I wouldn't necessarily want to be doing. I've not personally met a politician who, trans, who, actually, who really wants to hurt people. Now, we know they exist. We see them on the news at times. So pretty much everyone I've met are in that work to help people. Those who try to hurt are definitely in a very small minority. The problem usually comes around the political culture, the party culture, the one that's seeking power, the one that's seeking control, the one that's seeking money. And if you want to reach those goals you need to sacrifice something along the way. And often the things that are sacrificed are the things that impact the vulnerable people. I've never seen a party or a government sacrifice something at the, for the, for the, that hurts rich people or powerful people. I've never seen that. At least not that I could remember this week. I feel okay with pointing these things out because I see Jesus doing it to the leaders of his day. He pointed out their fail the failings of the government and the, and, the, and the leaders regularly. But when it comes to the people on the street, he served them. It's not easy, but we try to be non-judgmental just as Jesus was non-judgmental with the people he served. There are times when I make mistakes, I fail. And what do I do if I do? I apologize. I accept responsibility and accountability for my errors, and I try to do better next time. Take the plank or the log out of your own eye before you can take the speck out of someone else's. Help yourself before you help others. Make yourself better so that you can better help others. The second theme I want to look at today is trust. Jesus said, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock you will receive. Now he contrasts this with, with parents, how parents know to give their children good things. 
things that are good for them that won't be detrimental to their health. And he asks us to trust God to do the same thing. Ask, seek, knock, and receive. That's a challenging concept for us to, to, to comprehend today. Because we all know people who have been asking God for things, for healing, for, uh, for themselves or for others or other things, but only to see pain continue or suffering continue or maybe even death. And I don't want to minimize this because I believe God wants us to receive everything he has for us, including healing, but we don't always get our prayers answered, do we? Is that because we don't believe enough, we don't trust enough? Sometimes, but not always. We can pray and ask God with the absolute purest intentions only to see our loved ones suffer or die. Is that God's plan? Maybe, but also maybe not. God does not micromanage our lives or our world. God made the earth, everything in it, the universe. He made that billions of years ago and he spun it into action. And in turn... He left us in charge of this planet. Now, you may question his wisdom on doing so at times, but we are the stewards of his creation, and we broke it. We broke this beautiful creation to the point we are now in the middle of an ongoing worldwide pandemic, and we're also at the precipice, the cliff edge of, climate, uh, of a climate disaster, and people are dying. And for some, they think, God, if there is a God, he must be sitting back laughing and watching it all burn. But I don't believe that. Yes, people are dying, people we love, from cancer, from viruses, from accidents, from COVID, from car crashes, all kinds of things. And I believe God mourns these losses with us. Even as these people enter into the joy of his kingdom, God mourns our losses with us. Because I'm not sure it's God's plan that they died prematurely. Now God has a plan. He certainly does. But I don't believe God planned for Talia Forrest to die being hit by a car. I don't believe it was God's plan for our beloved Joe to find out just before Christmas he had cancer. Just to die a week or so later. I don't believe it was God's plan for George Floyd or any other black North American to die at the hands of police. I don't believe it was God's plan for people to walk into schools with guns and kill innocent children. Those aren't God's pl- part of God's plan. But what I do believe is God is very present in those moments and in the time after, working to make things better, even in the times of tragic loss. God can use those moments to show us how we can make things better. He shows us what we have become as a society and to offer us a better way. I believe God has given us everything we need to turn things around. I believe it's not too late to save this planet for our children and our grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren. Now part of the problem is no one is willing to give up their power and their control in order to make the required changes to make this happen, to save our planet. Yet what does Jesus say? So when everything do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. 
Imagine living in a world that truly believes this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What a world that would be. That's what we call the golden rule. Yet it feels like the world is trying to live by a different standard, a different rule. Do unto others before they do unto you. And this mindset is killing our planet and it's killing people. God has given us the basic tools. He's given us simple instructions, really, when you think about it. To make this planet a place of equality, a place that is fair for everyone. But some have taken far more than their fair share. And because of it, millions suffer. Literally, millions of people are suffering. Do we trust God? Do we believe he has given us the tools to make this world a better place? A better place for everyone? Do we trust that he will give us what we ask for if we ask for things that are in in alignment with his plan for this world? Do we trust that? Do we trust him? Can he trust us? Can we do unto others as God wants, as, as we would have them do unto us? Can we treat others fairly as we ourselves seek to be treated? The third theme I want to talk about today is in his final words of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about foundations. Now if I walked down to Shore Road and started building a house right on the edge of the cliffs, you'd think I'd probably lost my mind a bit. Because we've had a lot of erosion, coastal erosion in recent years. Especially with all the storms. And if you look at the destruction that Fiona had in Port of Basque, in Niels Harbor, in Lewisburg, in PEI, shorelines were changed forever. Caused a lot of destruction with that wind and the rain and the waves. And as much as I dream about building a retirement home facing over the Atlantic Ocean, I'm not sure I want to deal with those storms. The damage they bring. Sometimes, no matter how strong the foundation we put in place, the wind and the water can cause serious damage. But even still, it's the foundation that is the most important part of any project, building project. Jesus says those who listen to him, those who do what he says, they are building a solid foundation. A foundation that can withstand the powers of nature, But more than that, we're building a strong spiritual foundation. A foundation built on the teachings of Jesus. And that foundation becomes a life that can withstand the powers of this world which seeks to tear us down. The church has been at risk for a long time from those storms. We need to trust God. We need to listen to his word above all other voices. And we do need to be careful. Catherine Stewart wrote a book called The Power Worshippers. And in the book she identifies how how political ideologies, particularly from the right wing, have infiltrated the church in the United States. And we're starting to see it creep into Canada as well. It begins with politicians and, and politically aligned groups feeding the church with all kinds of information, false information, in order to gain their support. They provide the church leaders with with books, with videos, with with, uh, conferences, with emails, all kinds of things that they use to push their political agenda into the church under the guise 
of biblical teaching. And because of this work over the last number of like decades, 30, 40 years, we see the results now. The results where we see church leaders stand up and declare Donald Trump as the savior of America. And we see churches that seemingly worship the flag more than Jesus. It's happening out there and it's, it's just getting worse. Like, as I said, I'm fairly active on social media, seeing things that are going on, but I've had to stop following certain Christian leaders because of, because of this. I've even had to end relationships with pastors, friendships with pastors in Cape Breton because of this issue. The Jesus they claim to follow does not always look like the Jesus I follow. In my eyes, their strong foundation has been compromised. And I'll be honest, when I hear them speak, when I read their materials, I start to question whether or not I want to be part of their church. Which is not a bad thing, really, when you think about it. It's good to check our foundations, right? Like, you want to check the foundation of your home to make sure there's been no cracks or wear that might compromise the safety of your home. When you take care of your foundation, your house becomes stronger. That strong foundation means your house can withstand some of the storms it faces. Build a strong foundation on Jesus Christ. Take care of that foundation by reading your Bible, by praying, by listening to the voice of God above all other voices. And then we are better able to withstand the forces that seek to use us for other purposes. The purposes that are against God's plan in the world. We can withstand the forces if we have a strong foundation that promote hatred and division instead of love. We can withstand the forces that work against the ways of Jesus in the world. And Jesus warns us about what if we let our foundations grow weak. He says in the face of the strong forces, the storms of life, our house will crash. He says our faith will crash if we don't take care of the foundation built upon his teaching. These are some of the challenges we face as children of God. We face a world that is backed by millions of dollars that tell us to do unto others before they do unto us. It tells us to look out for ourselves, even, even if it means others suffer because of it. It means to make as much money as we can, to buy as much stuff as we can, even while our neighbors sit hungry and shivering on the coldest weekend of the year. Let them take care of themselves because we have food, we have heat, we worked hard for it. Just go get a job. We've heard that before, haven't we? If only it were that simple, though. Addiction, mental health issues, just plain bad luck. These things and much more have a significant impact on our lives and the lives of those around us. More than we'll ever know. So if you just flippantly say something like, go get a job, it ignores the real struggle people face. The real struggles of thousands of people, even here in our province. Struggles Jesus was quick to respond to. He chose to see it. He chose to do something about it. And he chose to call the government to account on it. While that government chose to focus on their own needs, holding on to their power, their money, their control. Sounds a bit familiar. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. What is the narrow gate? 
Well, the narrow gate is the way of Jesus. The wide gate is the way of the world. And he reminds us that it's that wide gate, the easy gate, the well-oiled, the open gate. That's the way everyone else wants to go. And the way they want us to go with them. But Jesus reminds us that wide open gate that everyone's taking is the gate that leads to destruction. But the narrow gate, that's the gate that's harder to find. It's the gate you might have to stop and, and search for because the trees have grown up around it, the shrubs, or maybe the gate's a little rusty because of lack of use. That's the gate he wants us to take. That's his gate. Because his gate is the way to life. It is the way to God. It is the way of faith. And it is the way we should seek to, to live out our lives every day. Seeking that narrow gate that Jesus points us down and leads us down. Following Jesus is, is, is not hard, really, when you think about it. It's not hard if we trust him and if we're willing to make some sacrifices along the way. Those sacrifices which lead to God, because if we hold on to those things and we won't let go of them, it leads us through the wrong gate. Search for Jesus in your life. Find his gate hidden amongst the challenges of life and turn your heart toward him today. Jesus Christ is the one who knows how to bring love back into our world by being loving and not judgmental, by trusting him and by following in his way. Jesus invites us on this powerful journey of love, love only God can bring into our lives because it is a love that is freely and graciously given. Experience this love today as we seek to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us sing together, We Are Pilgrims on a Journey.
Let us join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we are indeed pilgrims on a journey, people who are seeking to follow you with open and loving hearts. Lord, help us to be servants to one another, but also servants to our brothers and sisters who call this town, this, this area home. Lord, we, we know the numbers. We know things are tough for people. We know people are hungry. We know people are cold. We know there is much need. And so, Lord, we pray how we may be servants to those who are in need. We ask because we know it is your way as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus who loved and served all those who are around him those who were in need, some who didn't even know they were in need. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of life. We thank you for your gracious and incredible love that we receive when we open our hearts to you. And so, God, we come to you with thankful hearts, but we also come with with the needs and the cares that we carry. And so, Lord, we offer to you the prayers of our hearts this day. Lord, we lift these prayers to you and we pray for so many other things. As we see what may lead to an escalation in the war in Ukraine, Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for the peace for the, for, for the Ukrainians. Lord, they've endured a lot over this past year. And Lord, we pray for peace and prosperity in their lives and protection. We pray for Russians that they may have a change in heart and seek ways of peace. Lord, we pray for those who are hungry in our town, for those who are cold, for those who face frozen pipes and empty fridges, O oh God. We pray for their well-being. We listen to you for direction as to how we can help. Lord, we pray for the sick. We pray, O oh God, for doctors and nurses who... In some ways, they're miracle workers in doing what they do because there's such need and there's so little resources right now. We pray, O oh God, for those who are waiting, waiting in hospital rooms, waiting in emergency departments. We pray for those who are waiting for tests or for surgery. Lord, we pray for our leaders, our governments. Lord, may they see the way to bring help to those in need. May they see the work that needs to be done and be willing to admit their wrongs and to seek to make things right. Lord, 
Lord, we're thankful for stories here in our own church of, of people being made well. And Lord, we pray that for all. That in your love, all may be well. Lord, we offer all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive, <clears throat> and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we respond to God's call in our lives to be loving and serving people, we seek to do so with, our, with all we have, all of our skills, our abilities, but also that which God has blessed us with, we give back to him for his work. Our offering will now be received. to you with all our hearts and all we have. Take our offering this day and use it to fulfill your will. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.
Our closing hymn today is Guide Me, O the Great Jehovah. friends, let us go and be people of love, be people of service, be people who trust that God will lead us every step of the way. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. Amen.